Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, which can be found on page 823 of your Pew Bible. My name is Lacey Ziegel, and I have been a member of McLean Presbyterian for four years since I was a fellow here. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, you not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to you, every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to have you with us. If you have never been to one of our Thanksgiving services before, you're in for a treat. This is one of our favorite services of the year. Because in a few minutes, we'll start passing the microphone around, sort of proverbially around the family dinner table, to have a chance for us all to share things that we are thankful to the Lord for this year. Now, I get to sort of set the table or set the stage by meditating for us on some of the things that we are all thankful for. And there are many things this year we could say, but certainly when you look at the passage this morning, the first one to talk about is how thankful we are for the forgiveness we've received in Christ. So, in a sense, that means every Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday for us. Because every Sunday we gather here to thank God and to praise Him for the grace we've received in Christ. So let's pray together and then let's look at this passage briefly. God, our Father, we come with such gratitude. And we praise You for what you have wrought, our salvation from sin in Christ. And we thank you for your love that showers upon us day upon day and week upon week and month upon month and year upon year. And even when the times are very hard that you have not left us as orphans, but that you are always there for us. So we pray that you would take this text this morning and show us Jesus and show us grace. Help us to love you more, we pray. In his name, amen. 
So we have been engaged in a sermon series from the book of Titus, which has been talking about joyful obedience, that the Apostle Paul in his letter has called us for the grace we've received to actually change our lives. That Paul is calling us to let what we believe make a difference in how we live. And we call that joyful obedience. Another way to do it, look at the front of your worship guide, is the phrase we put there every week, grace changes everything. And every one of those three words is very carefully thought out. And we dare not lose any of them or our faith would be impoverished. Jesus is doing the same thing here in the specific area of forgiveness. He's calling us for our grace received, the faith we have, to actually change how we treat other people, how we forgive other people. Now, here's the simple point then. Those who have received forgiveness from Christ will give it to other people. Those who've received forgiveness from Christ will give forgiveness to other people. And we'll just ask three quick questions about forgiveness. First, forgiveness, what is it? Second, forgiveness, why do we need it? And third, forgiveness, how do we do it? What is it? Why do we need it? How do we do it? So I looked at Merriam-Webster's dictionary this week, and it defines forgiveness quite simply as to stop requiring payment from someone. Now that's debt-type language. If you think about it, every time we sin against each other, a debt gets created, and it's just objectively there. And human beings, we are amazingly creative at finding ways to make other people pay down their debt to us when they sin against us. We can make them come back and grovel an apology. We can sort of eviscerate their reputation. We can just talk bad around them to other people. We can find ways to make them suffer for what they've done to us. Or we can go to the ultimate and just pretend like they don't exist. We are amazingly creative at finding ways to make other people pay the debt they owe us if they sin against us. And forgiveness is, first off, to stop it. To stop doing that, to stop requiring other people to pay back the debt they owe us. Now, that's, that's a lot for a human being to actually get over if you've ever tried to do it. And so, Peter comes to Jesus, <clears throat> and he asks this question. He says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother who sins against me? Now, it was common in Judaism of Peter's day to say the answer was three. Three times you've got to forgive. So Peter gets, hey, I'll be really generous. Is it three plus three plus one for just good measure? I'll even give seven. And probably much to his dismay, Jesus says, well, um, no, Peter. I tell you, not seven times, but, and your translation may differ here. It might say 77 times or it might say seven times 70 The reason is in the Greek language, you can't tell the difference between those two. But either way, the point's the same. How many times do you need to forgive? So many times you're going to long since have lost count. You know, the point Jesus is making is not that our faith is based on arithmetic. You're doing great till you get to 78 and then, oh boy. Or, you know, 490, you're good, but when you hit 491, you're in trouble, boy. No, the point Jesus is making is how often do you forgive? As often as there is to forgive. And that's so unnatural that Jesus tells this little story, one of these things we call parables, to help us understand it. He says, imagine this. Imagine there's a guy who's a king, and he calls in his debts from all his servants. 
And this one servant comes in and he owes the king 10,000 talents. I don't know about you, I, that doesn't necessarily make a big difference to me because I don't know what a talent is. So did a little homework. A talent cost 20 years wages from a skilled worker. Now, to update the numbers a little bit, therefore, we looked at last week, the U.S. Census Bureau says the median income in the American economy is $62,000 a year. So $62,000 a year times 20 years times 10,000. Don't pull out your phone. I pulled out mine last night to do the math. This guy owes the king $12.4 billion. That is an unpayable debt. He is facing slavery for the rest of his life. He will never get out of there. He has a debt he can never in any way, shape, or form begin to pay off. And falling down before the king, he says, have mercy on me, I'll try. The king goes, you can't pay that off. And having pity on him just forgives it. Forgiveness starts by not requiring out of the other the debt that he owes. But look, it goes further than that. That king is now objectively never going to see his money again. His balance sheet is now $12.4 billion poorer than it ever was before. And I don't care how rich you are, $12.4 billion is going to get your attention. Because when it comes to it, forgiveness is not just not making the other person pay. But if you try to do the gospel thing and forgive... Not only do you not take it out of their flesh, make them grovel for it, make them come back, make them... Every time you forgive, every time you do the harder gospel thing, you actually pay the debt down of your own flesh. Every time you get mad again and then have to deny yourself. Every time you say, but this time I'm going to... And then say, no, I'm going to step back from that. In reality, the king paid a huge cost because he didn't make his servant pay a huge cost. And every time we forgive... We pay the cost instead of making him or her pay it. What is forgiveness? It's what Jesus has done for us. Now, why do I say that? Where in this parable do I see Jesus? Well, the commentators say the one tip-off word is the word pity. Because in the New Testament, that word gets used for Jesus far more than any other human being in the entire thing. And so when you see the word pity, it's just a little signal to remember, this is just a picture of what Christ has done for us. He has paid himself out of his own flesh an incredible debt that we could never pay. That's what forgiveness is. Well, first, what is forgiveness? Second, why do we need it? Well, why do we need it? In a word, because we're sinners. Look at the rest of the story. Look at the rest of the parable. This guy, having been forgiven an unfathomable debt, goes running out in his freedom, finds a dude who owes him a few denarii, Translation, a few dollars, maybe a hundred bucks at most. And then says, I need it now, give it to me. Notice the parallel, the guy falls down and begs for mercy, just like he himself had. And he says, no, sends him off to debt slavery to work off his debt. I mean, I assume you get the hypocrisy. Jesus isn't trying to fool any of us here. The other servants are quite traumatized by this. Word gets back to the king. And king calls him in and says, am I missing something here? Don't you realize what I've done for you? Don't you realize you ought to have forgiven this other person? Throws him into slavery for the rest of his life to work off the debt. And you go, wow, happy Thanksgiving, let's pray. Oh, sheesh. But that's the narrative of our hearts. 
That's, that's what we are. That's who we are. We need to be saved from our sin. We need to be saved from our hypocrisy. We need to be able to come and receive a grace that's freely given. Because God doesn't give us forgiveness by making us earn our way out of it. God gives us in the gospel forgiveness just because he loves to forgive. Sasha Giel from our congregation, nine years old, said it perfectly in a prayer request last week. Pray that everyone will know that we don't earn God's love. He is so kind that he gives it to us for free. Why do we need God's love? Because we're sinners. And then Jesus won't let us off the hook. Look at the third question. How do we do it? Because if you look at verses 33 to 35, Jesus is incredibly clear that this having happened to us will change how we forgive other people. One commentator said it this way. He said, someone who does not grant forgiveness to others shows that his own heart has not experienced God's forgiveness. Now last week, we, um, we're looking at Titus 3, verse 5, where Paul makes it very clear, God saved us not because of the righteous works we've done, but entirely because of God's grace. Are we saying something different here? Not at all. It's the same story. The power for forgiveness comes in getting the order right. We have been forgiven in Christ which then will change how we live and bring us to forgive other people. So if you're here as a non-believer this morning, if you're here not as a Christian, God is ready to forgive you sin of an infinite worth. It doesn't matter what you did, when you did it, how you did it. In Jesus, in his blood, there is forgiveness for anything. We simply come, we say that we are sinners, we admit it, We don't play any games. And in that, there is grace that covers any sin. We simply step to the cross and look for Jesus to forgive our sins and receive the gift he's given us. If you're a Christian here this morning, if you've received that, it's impossible to receive it and not have it start to change our lives, how we treat other people. The Bible just knows no place for the Christian life that therefore says, I've been forgiven, but I won't be forgiving. And so Jesus asks us the bracing question, are you ready to step into a gospel life? Are you ready to forgive others in the grace, in the power of the forgiveness that you and I have received? Tim Keller said it really beautifully. He said, there is no better sign of the real spiritual condition of your heart. There's no better sign of where you're really going in your eternal destiny than whether you would forgive or not. Would God work in us the grace that we could do that? Let's pray together. God, our Father, we come as needy servants who've been forgiven much. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for paying our debt. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you that by your perfect sacrifice, you've brought us near. Thank you that you've made us your friend. And thank you that in that grace that we've been given, we can be different people who give grace to others. Would you do that in us and through us, we pray. In his name, amen.